Genesis 1, that's where it all began. Genesis chapter 1. We'd like to begin reading with verse 1. The Bible said, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I want to bring you a message on the Spirit of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for another opportunity that we have this side of eternity to preach your holy word. And Lord, I realize that without you I could do nothing. So, O oh God, I yield myself to you, and I pray you'd see fit to use me for your glory. God, speak to my heart and the hearts of each one that's gathered this way today. May we leave here knowing we've been in your presence, and we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in John 4 and verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Here we have the Spirit of God uh, in the very beginning, uh, in the creative work of God, that God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yet there is only one God, there are not three gods, but one God. Just like man is a trinity, we're body, soul, and spirit made in the image and the likeness of God. That doesn't mean we're three different people, but we're one, yet we have three distinct parts as God does. Now, angels are also spirits in Hebrews 1, 7, who maketh his angels spirits. And in verse 14 of that chapter, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits? And then in Job 32 and verse 8, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. And so the thing that is distinct and different about man is that man has a spirit that is able to know. First Corinthians says the spirit of man is the part that knows, the ability to reason and think, and more importantly, the ability to communicate with God. Now, man without Christ is spiritually dead. His spirit is dead as far as separated from God. And really, that's what death is, is separation. So, uh, man has a spirit, and it is through the spirit that uh, God communicates with man. God does not show himself visible. I've never seen God with these natural eyes. Uh, God has never spoke to me audibly. And yet God communicates with me. He does this by his spirit. The spirit of God communicates with the spirit of man. And that is how you know God is through your spirit. Now, we like to talk about the Holy Spirit in particular and the Spirit of God uh, today and notice some things and the way God's Holy Spirit works. First of all, the Bible teaches that the Spirit strives. In John 16 and verse 8, the Lord Jesus said when He has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, He will reprove the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment. Now we call this conviction. Uh, you know, I think there's something that's uh, the, the distinct thing that I notice that is different today than, than we've seen in days gone by, and that is Holy Ghost conviction. And it is the Spirit of God that must bring that upon man. And in Genesis 6 and verse 3, he said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, indicating that the Spirit of God had in the past strive with man, but God said His Spirit would not always strive with man. Now the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.37, the Bible said, Now when they heard this, that is the message of Peter, the Word of God, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Three thousand were saved, and he tells them how. But they were pricked in their heart. There was striving. There was conviction. You know, I think uh, the reason we have so many false professions today is a lack of conviction. No one's ever been saved without conviction. No one's ever been saved until they first realize they need to be saved that they're a sinner before God and they have a need of salvation. Now, it's only the Spirit of God that can bring that. And uh, you only have to do some witnessing to understand uh, that there's very little conviction on people today and very little understanding of what it means to be a sinner. I'll tell you, when God saved me, I got under conviction. I knew I was lost and I knew in that condition I'd go to hell and I got afraid. And God saved me. Some people say, I don't think, I don't think y'all to scare people. I don't think y'all to talk about, talk about hell. Well, I tell you, I got scared. And the thought of being a sinner, uh, you know, came upon me and, and I understood what it means. I understand the, the penalty for that sin. And I don't believe, I believe that's, that's a conviction the Spirit of God brings. I don't believe people's going to get saved until they, they realize they're sinners and they realize the penalty of their sin. And then they can come to Christ. And the Spirit of God communicates that message through man's spirit. Now in Acts 9, 5, uh, as Saul there encounters the Lord, he said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now the pricks were sharpened sticks that they, if the oxen didn't want to move, they'd uh, stick those oxen and get them on their way. And uh, God the Lord says, Saul, this is what's happening to you. And I believe from the moment that Saul heard Stephen preach and, and uh, gave consent for his being stoned to death, I don't believe Saul of Tarsus ever could get away from the conviction of God as he saw that man face eternity with a perfect peace in his heart and with a forgiving spirit, uh, the Lord got a hold of Saul and ultimately he was saved. But it was conviction. It was conviction. Throughout the book of Acts, you have the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, Cornelius, the Philippian jailer, and they all got a conviction and they got saved. I believe people will get saved when they give their conviction. I believe that. 
You see much conviction today? I don't see that conviction. I mean, I've seen it in the past and occasionally see it now. But uh, I've seen conviction so strong that, that I, I didn't even get to finish the message. I've seen people start weeping openly in, in the auditorium in the middle of the message, weeping under conviction and running to the altar. I've seen that personally happen. God can bring conviction. And uh, uh, the Spirit of God uh, is the one that does that. And then not only that, but the Spirit saves then. After he strives, he saves. In John 3, 5, the Lord told Nicodemus, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to bring salvation. It's more than just signing a card. It's more than saying a few words of a prayer. It's a work of God's Holy Spirit birthing us into the family of God. That's what it involves. And Jesus, may I remind you, was talking to a religious man. A religious man who studied in Sunday school today about deceit. And a lot of church members are deceived as Nicodemus was, and as Saul was, uh, Pharisees. But uh, the Lord says you, Nicodemus, it is not enough to know the law. It is not enough to keep the law. You have to be born again. And uh, only the Spirit of God can bring that about. Now it takes two things, and by the way, I believe the water there is not the baptistry, but I believe it's in reference to the Word of God. And in Genesis 1, uh, he says here that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Here you have the two things necessary for birth. That is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And it takes both things to bring about the new birth, the, the, the creation. And by the way, the new birth is a creative act of God. That's why a person is different. There's a literal creation of God takes place when you get saved. And if it don't take place, you don't get saved. And God's the only one that can create. Man can create. Only God can create. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God says it changes because there's a work of creation takes place just like it did in this condition of chaos in the book of Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The earth was covered complete with water and the Holy Spirit moves upon this and God says, let there be light and there was light. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God brings about a creation and there's no, there's no new birth, there's no salvation unless there is a creation takes place. And therefore, without the Holy Spirit. And I think, I think probably the thing that is that uh, in the last, uh, uh, you know, 20, 30 year uh, that, uh, that uh, has been missing is the Spirit of God. And in the schools, they teach and train preachers and they give them the Word and they give them the techniques and they give them all this, but 
they have failed to realize you can have all the equipment, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get the job done. It's just like you can have uh, you can have a lawnmower, you know, you can have a brand new lawnmower, uh, and uh, you can have everything you need to mow the grass, but unless you have some gas, you're not going to mow. <laughs> That's the thing that makes the machinery work, and it's still true today about the Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes the or that gets the job done. Now we've got to be born of the Spirit. Now in John six sixty three. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and their life. And I remind you that the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the Word of God, not apart from it. And without the Word of God, the Holy Spirit cannot work. And that's the reason, I believe that's one reason, that there's not any conviction and there's not any birth is because there's not any Word being given. And uh, the majority of churches that throwed away the real Bible, the King James Version, and got them uh, a newspaper, and they expect God's Holy Spirit to work. God does not work apart from the Word of God. He said the words are spirit and their life. It's a spirit that quickeneth. And in Ephesians 2, 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, quicken, he makes us alive. He generates life. A sinner is dead. The Bible says, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. The sinner is dead. What can a dead person do for themselves? Nothing. Everything is done by another. I mean absolutely everything. And God said that's how we are. You know, if there was nothing else in the Bible, that there would be enough to let you know that salvation is a work of God. It's something God does because we're dead <laughs> and he quickens us. Now in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So it is not by works. The Spirit strives, the Spirit saves, and then the Spirit sanctifies. The word sanctify means to set apart. There is a primary sanctification that takes place when you get saved. There is a progressive sanctification that ought to be taking place every day. Every time we hear the Word of God and we realize there's an area that needs improvement in our life, there we ought to be a little more sanctified. Then there is a permanent sanctification when we will be just like the Lord without sin entirely. Now in John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In Romans 15, 16, Being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now which is it? John says we're sanctified by the word of God. Paul says in Romans we're sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Is it by the Word of God or is it by the Holy Ghost? Well, the fact of the matter is it's by both because they work together. And sanctification is by the, the, the Word of God. If you never open this Bible, 
then uh, you're not going to be very sanctified. That's the reason people that don't never read the Bible or come to church very little, they usually live pretty loose lives. Because the Word of God is that that brings sanctification. But it is not enough just to read the Bible. There must be the Holy Spirit to apply the Word, to take the Word and put it in our heart. So it is more than just one or the other, it's both. Now in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And then in 1 Peter 1.2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So sanctification is the work of God's Spirit. Now, I, I have said before and I say again, you will never be successful in living right unless you get born again. That's the basic problem that people have. Well, I can't live the Christian life. That is true. We can't. But God can live it through us. Paul writes in Galatians, said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, it's not me living anymore, it's Christ living through me. It's the work of God's Holy Spirit. That's the reason people make professions, join churches, get baptized, and yet their life never changes because nothing happened inside. Unless God does a work of grace in the heart, there will be no change in the life. Not only that, but the Spirit of God seals us to the day of redemption. Now I want you to turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 1, 13. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, of every inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Here we have the uh, sealing of God's Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You know, I never... Uh, I don't guess uh, can anything. We don't around the house unless I think of this truth. I canned a few beans this week. And, uh, you know, you put them there in, uh, in the uh, uh, pressure pot. And I guess you use a pressure pot. We, uh, we, you're supposed to cook them 10, 10 pounds, I believe it is, for 25 minutes. And uh, we were cooking. My wife told me, said, there's something wrong with that gauge on that, uh, on that canner. I said, oh, you've got to tap it a little bit. It'll run up there where it goes. And uh, she told me, you know, there's, there's another little thing sets on there, and it was a flopping around, you know. And, and I checked it, and I tapped it a little harder, and we had, boy, we had those things going, you know. <laughs> I guess it was going 20 pounds. It was about to the point of blowing that thing off of there. Got too high. But anyway, thank the Lord, uh, you know, didn't blow beans in her ears and, and uh, whatever. But uh, uh, 
The point I was trying to make is you put them in there, then you take them out and they cool and they seal. And I don't know, I don't know what's involved in that, but I tell you, it protects them. It does the job. And, uh, and it seals those beans to get ready to use them. That's what God's done to us. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, he says to Ernest, in this case, it was really uh, the down payment, so to speak. It was the, it's a guarantee that God will finish what he started. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one that seals us. He seals us for security, to hide as the contents of a letter, to confirm or approve by testimony, and to confirm ownership. All these meanings of this, this matter of sealing. Now, the Holy Spirit does that. How do we know that we're a child of God? How do we know that we have heaven to look forward to? We have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Sealed by God's Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit of God does that. He seals us. And, uh, and it's impossible. It's impossible for that seal to be broken. Absolutely impossible. Not only that, the Spirit does something else. The Spirit of God strengthens us. In Ephesians 3 and verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. It's the Holy Spirit that strengthens us. Singing that third verse of amazing grace. You know, uh, that verse uh, is left out a lot of times when it's uh, sung, but that's one of the most important verses in the whole song. Through many dangers, trials, or snares, I have already come. And as you all were singing, I just uh, looked around over the building and I thought, you know, uh, many of the dear folk uh, know what that is. They've had the trials and they've had the trouble, and some of you still have it. And if you haven't had it, you'll have some. You'll have some trouble. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I heard Mac Hodge uh, preach on that, and he was telling about this, uh, uh, this uh, fellow preacher. And he said, I don't believe that. He said, I've had nothing but good in my life. I've never had any trouble. He said, I don't believe that. He said, but that man lived to believe it. He said he lived to go through some, some trying times. He lived to experience some awful trouble in his life. And if you stay in this world long enough, you're going to have some trouble. Job said it's full of trouble. But aren't you glad we have the Holy Spirit as their comforter? The Lord said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. I'll send the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. I'll send God, I'll, I'll come to you to do that. And I like the meaning, the, 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 the meaning of that word comforter, uh, you know. It's the word the, in the Greek, it's paraclete, which means comforter. But the meaning of it is a little, you know, we think of comfort, we think of someone to, to comfort us in time of trial. But the, you know, the meaning of it, uh, as it's given, is one called alongside the help. You know, Psalm said the Lord is a, a, a very, God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Aren't you glad the Lord is right with you? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you someone to walk side by side with you. I'm going to give you someone to live in you, really, to be a part of you. You know, I was, uh, I was reading uh, about this uh, skeptic who, who uh, 
uh, was talking to this black man. You know, he was trying to arouse doubts in his mind. He said, why, you say, you say that, uh, that uh, you are in the Spirit and the Spirit is in you. He said, that can't be. He said, how can you be in the Spirit and the Spirit be in you? He said, well, it's this way. He said, I take that poker and I stick that poker in the fire. And said, after a while, that poker begins to get hot and it begins to glow red. He says, you know, he said, the fire is in the poker and the poker's in the fire. <laughs> and he said, that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Said, I'm in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in me. I think he had a good illustration of it, don't you? And so the Holy Spirit, he's the one that strengthens us in our time of need. And uh, and in Philippians 4:13 said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Modern psychiatrist says, You can do anything. You've got to believe in yourself. You know, all these talk shows and the whole, that, that's about all their theme that runs through them. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to love yourself. You're something. You're important. You can do anything if you just believe in yourself. That's the whole foundation. Bible doesn't teach that. Bible doesn't teach you can do anything. It said, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do nothing without Him. As John 15 says, Without the Lord, you can do nothing. But with Christ, you can do anything. And he strengthens us. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us. First Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Holy Spirit speaks to man. How does he do that? He does it through the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, you don't go out to, you don't go out inside of a mountain and say, okay, God, talk to me. Okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me. You want God to talk to you? Get in this book. He'll talk to you. I'm amazed. I, I never cease to, to be amazed at how God uses that Word. Now, I'm not talking about just a casual reading. I'm taught the Bible said, study to show thyself approved unto God. You get alone away from this world and get your mind cleared with all the burdens and the problems of life. Listen, you can't sit and watch television with one eye and read the Bible with the other and get anything out of it. Or you can't wait about two minutes before you jump in bed and say, well, I'll read the Bible, I guess. Let's see. Let's see. I'll read Psalm 23. Or, you know, uh, let's see. Jesus wept. Yeah. yeah I'll read that verse. Uh, you're not going to get much out of it like that. But you get alone with the Lord and get the, mind, the, the world blocked out of your mind and you get that book down. And I'll tell you, God, if, you, if you're a child of God, it'll get real to you. The Holy Spirit will, the Holy Spirit will begin to talk to you. And I'm going to tell you right back there in that little room, I've had some of the most precious and wonderful times that you could, you know, it's been so real that you thought that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were encamped around you. you know? I mean, it, it can get real. 
God's real if you want him to be. Now, he speaks to us. All Scripture is given inspiration. Where's this Bible? Who gave this Bible? The Bible said the Holy Spirit inspired it all. The Holy Spirit inspired it all. And it's the Word of God that he uses. In Revelation 2, verse 7, 2, 11, verse 17, verse 29, chapter 3, verse 6, verse 13, verse 22, seven times he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So, how does the Spirit communicate? He presents his word through the hearing of the ear and then through man's spirit, we're able to communicate with God's spirit. The spirit speaks to us. In the book of uh, 1 John chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there, this wonderful book that tells us how we can know we're saved. 1 John chapter 5. And uh, ver- let me begin with verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. By the way, this is good to tie in with Revelation 22 there, if you study that scripture. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. There's your trinity. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. How do you know you have eternal life? Through the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit use? He uses the Word of God. You know, you want to know how I got assurance? I got assurance through the Word of God. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, used the Word of God to bring my assurance. You ever have any doubt to your salvation? This book was written for that purpose. Because this book will bring assurance. The Spirit speaks to us. Then not only that, but the Spirit searches. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2, page 12, 13, and verse number 9. <clears throat> you know, this continues to be one of the most misused scriptures uh, that, uh, uh, that is in the Bible. But I want us to look at it, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's not the end of the message. Go on. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. You know something about the Bible? The Bible's different, isn't it? 
I mean, people say, well, I read the Bible and I can't make any sense of it. That's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Read Matthew 13. That's the way that was intended to be. The natural man can't understand it. And it was intentionally given like that. It's the work, the Bible. You know, the, that very fact in itself helps us understand this Bible has to be more than the work of man. Every other book is, has, uh, you know, pretty well been understood. Any work of man. And yet the Bible, there's hundreds and thousands of volumes been written on the Bible. Have you ever noticed when you, you, get a, you get a book, you're studying maybe a book of the Bible or something, you try to gather some books together written by some good men, and you come upon a scripture that's, that's really hard to comprehend and hard to understand, and you read the books, and isn't it amazing that they just kind of slide right over that passage? <laughs> some of you fellows know that. The fact is, they didn't understand it either. <laughs> they didn't know how to explain it either. And that's the amazing thing about the Bible. Now, he said, the Spirit searches all things, gave the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit helps you understand the Bible. And without the Holy Spirit working through you, the Bible will bore you to death. Really? You won't get anything out of it. And if the Spirit of God is greed and the Spirit of God is quenched, the Bible ain't going to mean nothing. You know, when I prepare a sermon, as I did this one last night, I mean, I have to get away from everybody and everything and the telephone and, and get my mind clear of all the, the burdens and the problems of life and the ministry. Or else the Bible don't make any sense to me. I, you know, I've been studying the Bible for years, and I, I can't make any sense of it. By experience, I know that it takes the Holy Spirit of God to help you understand the Bible. Now it goes on and said, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And that's how you understand the Bible. The, you compare all the Scripture. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Just what I was saying there, uh, without Christ, it's impossible to know the things of God. In John 5, 39, he said, Search the Scriptures. And in Romans 8, 27, He that searches the heart, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit searches the Scripture, helps us understand the Scripture, but also the Holy Spirit helps us pray and brings our petitions before the Father. There's two things necessary for spiritual growth. That's the Word of God and prayer. And you can't do either one without the Holy Spirit. Can't do either one. I mean, you can, you can say some words, but you're not going to pray without the Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches. 
Uh, I was reading last night about, uh, I can't remember the name maybe. There's a preacher in England. Name leaves me. But he was mightily used of God many years ago. And uh, another preacher was traveling. He, he went to, uh, to this uh, late preacher's uh, church there. He was taken on a tour and went into the study. And he, he asked the, the man that was leading him on the tour the, uh, uh, the secret of his great success. He said, sit down in that chair. And on the desk was an open Bible. He said, now fall on your face on that Bible and weep in agony for the souls of men. And then you'll understand why our pastor was so mightily used of God. He had a passion for souls. And God used him greatly. You read the story of these great men gone by, I'll tell you, they, they didn't get their great power from seminary. They got their power from God. That made the difference. And then finally, the spirit sins turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> Page 1166, Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene uh, uh, and uh, Menaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And on and on it goes, describing their missionary journey here, the first missionary journey. Uh, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul. And then the Holy Ghost sent them. That's what we need today. We need God's Holy Spirit to lead us. Do we live our life like that? You know, I must confess before you that many times I am uh, not conscious of God's leading or not alive. And I heard a preacher preaching years ago, and he, he says, when I get up in the morning and I go to the office, he said, I always pray and say, God, which path do you want me to take? He said, there's several ways I can travel. And I asked God now, which way do you want me to go today? And I want my life to be directed by the Holy Spirit this day. You know, seemingly we, we never learn, do we? Sometimes we, we get in trouble by our decisions and we have to reap the consequences of unwise decisions. And then we come back and we say, I never even prayed about that. 
No wonder I, I'm having all these problems. I never even asked the Lord about it. But we ought to. The Holy Spirit sins. The Holy Spirit, and we think, well, this is only, this is only relating to the ministry. God calls a man to preach, or God calls a man to be a missionary. That that's only that's God's not involved in anything else. But I tell you, God wants to be involved. I wonder how many of us pray about like a car, buying a car, trading a car. You tell you talk a lot of people like that, and they think you're crazy. Do what? You mean, pray about it. God wants to be involved in the details, the little things of our life. He really does. And He can help us avoid a lot of pitfalls, a lot of heartache, and a lot of sorrow. And you know, when I've really sought God about things, He's worked it out all right. When I haven't... <laughs> And, and, of course, sometimes that don't mean when you seek the Lord that you don't have problems. Sometimes you do. But if you do, there's a purpose for it. But sometimes we have the problems because we really don't seek the Lord. Let's bow our heads, please.